Welcome back to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And for those that don't know, or have any new listeners this week, um, each episode we take a topic that we know very little about and we give ourselves just a week to read and research all about it. The idea being that we do the hard work and then share what we feel are the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. That is what we do. But so everybody knows, we are not experts in anything that we talk about on the pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Yeah, exactly. So let's get on with this week's topic, which is all about natural gas. Here we are then, Liam. Natural gas is the topic that we're covering this week. It wasn't chosen by you, wasn't chosen by me. This was chosen after we did our listener choice vote on our Instagram at Two Guys One Topic, wasn't it? Yeah. So we we sent out messages. Um, we've suggested on the pod. Anyone's got any ideas of topics? Uh, we took our favourite four topics, put them to a vote, and Mark from the UK's topic of natural gas was the winner. So. Yeah. Mark, this one's for you and for everybody else. And we we had to double check with Mark, didn't we, that he actually meant natural gas and not as in petrol when it well, because it originally just came through as gas, didn't it? The suggestion. Yeah, I, I think of gas because we're from the UK. I think we think of gas as that blue flame that comes out of your oven. Yes. On your hob. But if you're in lots of other parts of the world, if somebody says gas, they mean that stuff you put in your car, that petrol yep. stuff that drives your car. Yes. So we had to check which one it was. Mark has sent us through uh, his reasons why he wanted us to cover it. So we'll play that for you now. Hi, Ali and Liam. And thanks to the good folks on Instagram for voting for my choice on this week's topic of gas. Gas has been in the news a lot recently due to world events and rapid price rises. This made me wonder how gas is actually formed, transported and who really dictates the price. Anyway, keep up the excellent podcast and look forward to the episode. Mark from Worcester, England, the home of the source. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for suggesting this as a topic. A really interesting one to get into. Yeah. So did you know anything about it before we started? Uh, no, no, I didn't. I, yeah, as you, as you mentioned there, the, the blue flame that comes out of your, your cooking hob, that's probably the, the thing that I knew about it. It's sort of spoken about in the news, isn't it? Prices and everything for it has been going up loads um with energy prices and stuff but no i had no idea really where it comes from or how they extract it from the ground or anything how about yourself i knew two things three things one is that blue flame that comes out your oven two i think they ship it around everywhere in giant pipelines i'm sure that's been in a couple of james bond films like those gas pipelines you hear about it with this um the the war with russia and ukraine um yeah they're gas pipelines i know they crisscross the world yeah good point also courtesy of friends and ross i know that when you try and flirt with a pizza girl you tell her that gas doesn't actually smell but the smell that you can smell of those like that rotten egg smell they add in to keep you safe <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about that later shall we <laughs> <laughs> yeah getting our education from friends yeah so, uh, yeah, um, I have actually found out what that smell smell is. Uh, it's got a name, so we'll talk about that in a bit, I guess. Yeah, brilliant. So should we, should we 
dive on in then and let's get into the topic of natural gas, which is, I think, will be up there with one of our topics that, on the face of it, maybe doesn't sound the most exciting. Yeah. But it's actually a really interesting topic. Everything's interesting in small little chunks. And that's the whole point of the pod, isn't it? Just learn just a smidgen about everything. You know, next time you talk to someone, you're going to know a little bit more about this. So what is it then? We've got most episodes we start with. What is it? What is natural gas when we when we talk about it? So natural gas, it's odorless, it's colourless, and it's flammable. So yeah, it's highly flammable. It's, it's non-toxic and it's lighter than air. And we use it for all different things, um, which we'll get onto in a little bit. And as we've sort of mentioned there, it gets drilled and extracted out of the the ground. But yeah, in terms of it being odorless, that was the first thing that I said there. And you'd already mentioned about Ross from Friends. So how? Yeah. You know, what what's the story there then? Yeah. So it is odorless. You can't actually smell it. But if if you were to have a gas leak, that wouldn't be ideal. You know, it, it can explode or it can cause you, you know, probably get pretty ill. So in order to uh, help you recognize that, the gas companies add a harmless chemical called mercaptan, mercaptan, to give it this rotten egg sort of smell, just so that you know, oh, it's a gas leak. But that's, that's literally the only reason. So if you haven't yeah. seen friends, that is, that's why. Uh, yeah, they add the smell in to keep you safe so that if there is a gas leak, you know there's a gas leak because otherwise you would just wouldn't know it was there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you do ever smell it, you need to do something about it quickly. As we said, it's super flammable. And so, yeah, prone to to explosions. And from a chemical compound point of view, it's oh, known as a it's known as a hydrocarbon. And maybe from yeah, secondary school GCSE science. So for just to remind everybody, a hydrocarbon means that it's composed exclusively of hydrogen and carbon atoms okay yeah that's what yeah that well means. done Don't, let's let's leave it at that <laughs> maybe we need to do a future episode on hydrocarbons <laughs> I, don't, I don't you know, know. <laughs> some things we probably need to do a bit more <laughs> but so when, when we're talking about natural gas it's made up of four different things it's not just a a single thing that we're no, talking no. about if we're talking about um hydrogen and, and carbon you can actually get different forms of it i suppose yeah it's made up of um methane is the, the majority 90 nearly 95 percent of natural gas is methane um ethane propane butane uh they're the main four uh components if you like of the natural gas and, and they they sort of are mixed together in such a way that we can then use this gas as we use it absolutely one of the things that i wanted to get into pretty quickly this week was just wondering like how's it even made like how's how's it even a thing that we're we're then able to then use in the first yeah. place and yeah. I, I really like this i don't i don't think i could have told you this beforehand and it goes back a long long time it goes back for for millions of years doesn't it that this this it, gas it's very similar to diamonds Remember yeah. we said diamonds yeah. come from like all of these organic materials that have over years, mil- literally millions of years, they've died, they've been squished, they go further and further underground. As they get further underground, they get squished even more. Uh, they get hotter because they're closer to the center of the earth. And this combination of pressure and heat, as they c- decompose, they release 
you know, they release gases and under heat and pressure, these gases are then formed into like, I guess, slightly different gases, which eventually forms this gas that, that we can use. Obviously, the problem being it's all trapped underground. Yep. And that's, I, so it's all just sitting there. And that's very similar to oil. Oil is, they, they, they're almost side by side. When you find gas, you tend to find oil. They tend to be near each other or even like, you know, imagine you've got a glass of oil and water, but the water's the gas, if you like, where one sits underneath the other. You end up with like these pockets under the ground, yep. of, like oil, an oil reserve, but then also some gas sitting on top of it. Yeah, but it's it's just what you, what you were saying there is like how how it's made or how it's formed in the first place. So just to recap on that, so it's as plants and animals, as they died and they decomposed millions of years ago, they gradually then get covered by layers of soil and sediment and rock. And exactly as Liam was saying, as they then get closer to the Earth's surface over these millions of years, they get super, super compressed and then turn into something else. And then ultimately, yeah, turn into, as you were saying there, like crude oil for petrol or could actually turn into to the gas that we then then use today and extract they um so they are trying to like you know when you have like landfill because landfill a lot of that is organic matter and a lot of that breaks down and creates gases as well but that gas isn't under pressure and heat like like it is under the ground so it's That's not right. quite as easily obtainable and usable so they are like scientists trying to work out look we've got all of this this gas like how can we turn this into the same sort of stuff that we use but yeah you know they're, they're doing it uh, on a different scale i guess that's more like that's around like bio biomethane sort of might be a term that people might have heard about that, yes yeah as, as you're saying that that is obviously isn't taking as long to to create but no. rather, rather than letting this methane just float float off into the atmosphere how do we catch it and actually harvest it to be potential an energy source for us so um we call it natural gas so something i was sort of thinking of pretty quickly so i mean it's like really good for us it's natural, yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah. natural like, for the environment. Is <laughs> yeah. that a good thing? Well, you well, you hear like coal's obviously really bad for the environment, and you you hear about all these other fossil fuels that are really bad for the environment. But it, it turns out natural gas is classed as a fossil fuel. It's a type yeah. of fossil fuel, yeah. and as you were saying earlier, that it, it's made from plants and animals that died millions of years ago. It takes millions of years to replenish it. So it means that it, it will run out. It's not a renewable energy source. Yep. So, yep. and it will run out right, relatively like, <laughs> I read a cut, right. Obviously it's hard to pin a number down, but these numbers, 50 years, 72 years, yeah. 80 years, like not thousands of years. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. And they know, they know where it is. It's called, um, what, what's it called? Like when they know where, where the gas is. Proved reserves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they know where stuff is. So they know, you know, they can they can work out where the gas is. But yeah, it's not it's not gonna last forever. Um, and it's not gonna last anywhere near as long as I thought. But it is better for the environment, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's it's better. It, it, it's better than some of the fossil fuels that you have out there. So it is better than coal, but it still releases methane into the atmosphere. So yeah. having methane going into the atmosphere, that unfortunately has a direct impact on global warming and like the climate crisis that's going on at the moment. So you don't want to be doing that, but it's better the amount that you then release by a natural gas 
rather than using other forms of of um, energy like coal and what have you. So talking about this is one of the things that I learned this week that I couldn't believe. Okay, this is probably this would be a takeaway if it wasn't something I was going to say now. So this might be my takeaway. <laughs> right. <laughs> when they say it's better than coal, do you know what they use coal power plants for? Like a coal fired power plant is horrific. Right, it gives off all this black smoke and stuff. Do you know yeah. what they're doing? All they're doing is they're using the coal to to basically boil water. The water lets off steam. The steam runs through like um like a turbine, which turns a generator to create electricity. So the coal is being burnt to create us electricity, right? All they do with gas, not it's not all they do, but obviously they do it a lot. They do the same thing, but instead of using coal to boil the water, they use gas to boil the water. Yes. And yeah. obviously this is on an enormous, enormous scale, but they boil water using gas. Then the water creates steam and then we get our electricity. I can believe that's what they do. I, I just did not know that's what a coal power plant was. Like, I just didn't know that's what they do. I didn't know that until this week at all as well, that that is, is, yeah. is what they use it for. And then, yeah, so, why, why then gas is then better in that regard. Yeah, so gas, gas is thought to produce less than a tenth of the pollutants that, that, that a coal power plant would. Yeah. So obviously, like you're saying, I mean, it's not good for the environment. But if we use more of that than we do coal, we are actually winning. Like, it's that sort of thing, isn't it? Like, That's right. It's yeah, it's, it, it's the lesser evil. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, did, I had no idea that that is what they use. That's what they do, how they create their electricity. Like, <laughs> that's what a coal power plant is, does. Like, what? Yeah, absolutely. And we were saying it's created millions of years ago. People have been using it for a little while. We've been aware of it as as humans for some time. Some of its history around it is is quite good, particularly how they think that it might have been discovered in the first place. Yeah, so so it is thought that it was discovered somewhere in the Middle East. <laughs> That's pretty vague, right? <laughs> somewhere between six thousand BC and two thousand BC. So like, that's pretty vague as well. But the the thinking is that what probably happened is lightning struck the ground, hit some gas that was just seeping out of the ground, because we've said it's all underground and the gas eventually will find its way out, which is, like you can assume that would happen, Um, hit the gas and then like the ground caught fire. But the ground didn't go out because the gas is just coming out the ground. (laughs) So it's just, it's just on. How crazy is that? If you, yeah, you say 6,000 years ago, if somebody saw that happen, so we were saying it's colourless and odourless, so they wouldn't even known it was there in the first place, like seeping yeah. out of the ground. Yeah. All of a sudden, lightning struck, and then you've got this like, eternal flame yeah. that then has already like lit up. Like, that yeah. is bonkers, it's, isn't it? it? Just doesn't go out. Um, apparently, the Chinese knew about it about 500 BC. There's some some um, some writings to suggest they used bamboo to transport gas that was coming out of the ground, sort of like a pipeline uh, to heat water yeah yeah um, did that as well it. you had it then in in america so america they were known to the native americans were known to have started using it in 1626 so yeah okay they were using it around lake erie and so they they were aware of it it didn't properly kick off in the u.s until 1859 so that wasn't until there was somebody who started then trying to think how could they then properly transport it and get proper use out of it. 
and come yeah. up with some some ways of, of being able to think, make wider use. Do you think originally they just filled up like a balloon, like a helium balloon, and then just took that around and went, this has got gas in it? <laughs> <laughs> and if that's one of the first things they did. Um, but yeah, like as far as like, this wasn't invented, was it? It's not something no. that somebody invented it at some point. There's like a point in time when it happened. Like it's been around forever and just nailing down who, no one invented it at any particular point. It's Absolutely just not. Yeah. Little it's stories a, yeah. about when it might have been around. Yeah, nat- naturally occurring. And it finally made its way over to, to Britain, 1785, started using it to um, light streetlights and lighthouses as well as a gas. So yeah, it's, it's been around for, for quite a while. Big issue comes from just figuring out how you then transport it from where you get it to where it could be useful. But in the first place, you've got then got to find it, haven't you? You've got to find yeah. it, extract it. There's a whole other process that goes on, which is quite a big process, even before you then think about trying to transport it to a useful means. Yeah, I mean, because it's not just going to seep out the ground everywhere, is it? Obviously, a bunch of people will have found it seeping out the ground. Um, but at some point, someone's got to go looking for it. So they use um, like geologists. So geologists will, will do they study rocks, don't they? And they, they do like seismic surveys and things like that yeah. to, to sort of work out what the, you know, nowadays they'll have some sort of scanner thing that can scan underground and they can do that off a boat to check the ground underneath the sea. I mean, that's a process that we're probably not going to know exactly how that works, but but they can work out that, ah, oh, maybe there's like this giant pocket of, of like, there's stone, 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 and there's a big gap. Like, that's right. They, they, I think there's probably they, gas in that. They send, yeah, they, they send um, like sound waves out and then depending how it then bounces and then comes back to them, they can then work out, oh, actually, this might be a sensible place for us to start excavating and trying to do it. And the reason why they want to do that is because it is often found a couple of thousand metres below the ground, so four and a half thousand metres, so it's some way, and it's a really costly process to try and extract it. It's... It's not an easy thing to do. So because it's so expensive, they need to almost know where they are drilling will be worth the effort in the first place. Yeah, then they're, they're basically, they do a test, don't they? They send a little test hole down, see if it's down there. And um, like, what, what do you reckon that happens? Do they drill a hole and then does it suddenly start hissing? Do you know what I mean? Is it like, like they're drilling a hole, nothing's happening, drilling a hole, and then all of a sudden, tss, <laughs> like, whoa, we've hit one. And then do they have to light it to make sure? Like... Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> They'd waste it, surely, if they did that. So they, yeah, we were saying earlier, they, they big, big pockets. So I was looking at some of the size of these. These can be like 800 metres long and a couple of hundred metres wide that they're then finding about where this gas and we were saying earlier, like crude oil can often then be found in a similar place. So they've they got a few different ways of how they then drill down to it. It's quite a, it's, as we were saying, it's quite a big project. There's a load of vehicles involved that they need to get out to site. We're saying it's quite often that it's in quite a remote place anyway, where they're then able to drill and find and see what's going on. But the most common way and what they did for a long, long time was vertical drilling, which is pretty much what yeah what it says on the tin. Vertical drilling. Drill a hole straight down, get the gas to come out the hole. I did read they had to, um like, because obviously where they find it, some, sometimes people own that land. So they've yeah. got to make a deal with the landowner. Like, look, we, we think there's gas here. Imagine imagine owning a farm or something somewhere. You know, like in like rural Texas or something, you've got a massive yeah. farm. And then yeah. this 
oil company comes by or gas company comes by goes we think there's x amount of gas underneath that we, we want it we'll give you bajillions like oh that'd be cool wouldn't it <laughs> anyway so yeah the main one is to drill straight down they've since like in the pretty recently they do some horizontal drilling so basically they just send a drill down that then starts going sideways yeah because it's cheaper and easier than drilling loads and loads of straight holes all the way down if they know actually just across there a little bit more there's another little pocket that we can open up we'll just send this little drill sideways what a brilliant invention what a yeah, great idea a steerable drill bit is what it's called like who, yeah. who invented that yeah so exactly as liam said it sort of goes down as far as it needs to and then does a right angle and goes off and it can go off exploring where they think there might be more so it could well be if there's um if 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 it just can't go straight down for whatever reason, if there's housing above it or whatever it might be, a building or some or a national park or something, then they might be able to try and extract some more without having to drill down. There's a little yeah. bit of a contentious one that they then have, which is probably the, the third one in terms of getting it out and extracting it, is it's called fracking. Yeah. And this is where you've sort of found where you think there are going to be pockets of natural gas that you can then get into, but then it turns out actually it's maybe stuck in some rocks. It's it's yeah, it's not really in a big opening for us to then be able to to drill into. And so there's there's a bit of a contentious, yeah, thing called fracking, isn't it? Where they're they're like blasting out the rock to try and see what's left behind in terms yeah, of gas. it's pretty clever. Yeah. They, they um they basically open it out, don't they? They so imagine like you can't you can't get in with a drill and you know but you know it's probably there. So you need to open you basically need to open the rock to let the gas seep out, if you like. So what they do is they they pump water under masses of pressure into it and then it just sort of it opens it. Like imagine, you know, like I don't know, imagine filling your jumper up with water, your jumper all opens out, doesn't it? Well imagine filling up like a tiny little, you've got a little hole in this rock, just slam loads of water in there and it, it opens and then the gas can come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So get I mean, that, it's very clever. Get that trapped natural gas out. But there's there are a lot of people who are against it for a couple of different reasons. So you were saying they use loads of water. They, they use a boatload of water. They use so much water to do it. It's not just a little bit because they're doing it at such high pressure, quite often quite far underground. They're, they're steaming the water in there super quick, but they're then also using chemicals as well at the same time to mm-hmm. then make it try and break up and and um, dislodge the the rocks to then get the gas out, which that water has to run off somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that water tends to be, obviously that's now ran through gas or oil. It's, got, it's very toxic at this point. They've added the chemicals to the water in the first place. The water then runs off, like you're saying, to, to wherever... They call it a water table. You know, I don't know if you like under under town cities, whatever. You've got the water running underneath underneath the rocks, and um, we we access that through wells and things like that. The water quite often runs into those, so it can damage. You know, the wastewater can damage the environment. Yeah. Another thing that it will do is it causes like earthquakes, essentially, doesn't yeah. it? They're they're opening the ground. They're basically making an earthquake almost. So there's like, you know, there's issues around how good that is for everything, basically. <laughs> of course, yeah. You don't want to be causing causing a man-made earthquake <laughs> for some reason. It could have, yeah, absolute carnage. And then the, the other thing is we were saying about the places where you then normally extract it are a way out. 
So in terms of being bad for the environment, you've got to send a, a load of vehicles there, a load of water over there to actually try and find this uh, this natural reserve in the first place. So there's a, there's a lot of people who are against getting out anyway, and especially with it being a fossil fuel in the first place. So yeah, it it doesn't yeah it doesn't come without its its downsides. Natural gas. So we've got the gas. Okay, we've we've drilled a hole and we've gone sideways and we've worked out where the gas is. How do we get it to where it needs to be? Like you were saying, this is pretty expensive process. Yeah, uh, it's basically one of two ways, isn't it? Yep, yep. They well Im- immediately it'll probably be through pipes, and it depends if where they then need to take it to. So they might need to refine it. They might need to do something to it, like clean it up, or as we were saying, add in the the rotten egg smell to it in the first place, so it will get over to like a processing plant and then it needs to get to us somehow. And the the two main ways are then by pipes again, or they then turn it into a liquid and then ship it around the world. Yeah. So these pipes though, these pipes are an exciting thing, aren't they? You know how many pipes are in the world? Flipping loads. There are millions. So many. Actual, Actual, like 2 million miles of pipeline around the world. Two million miles of pipeline shipping natural gas all over the world. So although the gas is found nearly everywhere, it is massively more found in certain countries, right? So Russia yep. has boatloads of it. The Middle East has boatloads of it. Um, USA have got some. Um, but yeah, so they've got to get it to everywhere else because obviously they're trying to sell it. So they've run enormous pipelines that just go for there's a there's a pipeline that runs from russia no is it china to turkmenistan that's the one it's like eight thousand like five thousand miles eight thousand kilometers a pipe yeah yeah that's and a quite long, often, long pipe not not even quite often i would say the vast majority of the time they're above ground aren't they they're just they're just a pipe running almost along the uh, <laughs> along the floor <laughs> yeah yeah they are and these these pipes are they tend to be something like 20 to 48 inches in diameter. So you're talking like, I don't know, like a, a meter, yeah. a meter in, in diameter. Like if you take your arms and try to put feet. them out wide, these you know, feet, pretty, five feet, something like that. Yeah. Pretty big pipes that, that we're talking about that we running. They're the mainline pipes. And then obviously you then get a lot smaller pipe network when it then starts going out to houses and when, where it be ended up. Yeah. So, like we were saying about obviously the, the Russia and Ukraine situation, you know, there's a lot of talk about pipelines and oil pipelines and Russia running one over to Europe um, and, and people not using it and things, you know, stuff like that. It's um, it becomes a bit political, I think, about whether they. So apparently Russia are going to shut it off at their end, basically. You know, they're, they're mining this gas and they're just going to turn yes. it off. So everybody in Germany or, or wherever can't get it anymore. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. They just can't get it. I did read that every country is responsible for the pipeline in their own country. So if they agree to have a pipe, like they're responsible for like security, maintenance, cost, and all that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you were saying, if it starts hissing, they need to um, take that up quickly. Um, So the other way is obviously to, like you were saying, is to put it in a truck. And you see, you see, um, you know, those sorts of trucks driving around. But to get in a truck, it's a gas. They have to turn it into a liquid. And how cold it got to get before it becomes liquid? Super cold. Yeah, they cool it down. Was it to minus one hundred and sixty-two? Is that right? Yeah, minus 162 centigrade. It goes from a gas, turns from a gas to a liquid. Um, very interesting. That minus 162 is called the gas's boiling point, 
which is oh, quite hard to get your head around. This is good. You should you should explain this. This is really good. So it's called the gas's boiling point. Now, water's boiling point is 100 degrees, right? That is the point that the water stops being a liquid and turns into a gas. Like when you boil water, it literally stops. It turns into this gas, right? Yep. The water's boiling point is 100 degrees. So as soon as it goes above 100 degrees, it becomes a gas and it stops being a liquid. The gas we're talking about, natural gas, its boiling point is minus 162. So at minus 163 or minus 162, it is a liquid. But as soon as it hits that boiling point of minus 162 and goes to like what, minus 161 or minus 160, which is hotter, it's hard to like get your head around the math. Yeah, that's yeah, actually working hotter. backwards. Yeah. That's actually hotter. So as soon as it's minus 161, it's now over its boiling point and it goes back into a gas. I like um, yeah. that. If they, can, if they can get it down to minus 162, it's a liquid. Um, it actually takes up one six hundredth of its volume. So obviously that means it shrinks down. The amount of liquid you have when it becomes a gas is a lot more. Um, exactly. Yeah, Chucking a truck, drive and around. You, and you see it on big container ships. They ship it around the world as well. They yeah. they put it in those like big ball-shaped containers when they're then shipping it around the world. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah, it gets, gets used all over the place for a whole load of different reasons. It turns out that predominantly we're using it for generating electricity, as you said, and then for domestic use, so for cooking and what have you. But it turns out it's got quite a lot of other uses. Yeah, yeah, it's used to help make loads of stuff that we use every day. Um, deodorant, sunglasses, artificial limbs. I mean, we probably don't use those every day, not everybody anyway. Carpeting um aspirin uh, but i mean i don't know how it's used to make those is it just used because they just turn on something they need to heat something up so they use gas <laughs> well possibly but what what it definitely is used for reading this um a few times is that you can then use it to power cars so there are over yeah. 11 million cars in the world that then run on gas and what they're also then looking at doing is because it's then better for the environment is they're seeing how they can then try and turn it into being used in some cars and buses and taxis and what have you. But obviously there's the big um, electric vehicle market as well that will be competing. Yeah. Just mention about the environment there, just something else I looked into. You know when you see those like, I don't know, oil fields or gas fields where they're on fire? Yes. You know they've got those like, those big towers and they're just on fire. Like you see like 50 of them all burning off at the same time. Yes. Yeah, flaring it's oh, called, really? isn't it? Yeah. What I was like, what is that thing? <laughs> I typed into Google, like, what is that thing where oil fields catch on fire? <laughs> yeah, it's called gas flaring. <laughs> yeah. um, so what it is, is like we were saying, that gas and oil tend to be near each other, on lit- almost literally on top of each other. Yeah. But when they're digging for oil, they're not geared up or prepared to take the gas. They're not meant for that. They're, they're, the, the machinery is meant for the oil. But there is obviously all this gas in there, which can cause problems for the machinery because it can create pressure and it might catch fire and things like that. So what they have to do sometimes is they have to burn off the gas and just and just leave it burning. Yeah, yeah, they just leave so it burning can, so they can get the oil. But what they also because so there, there possibly is a potential use for it as well if they wanted to, but yeah. they decide it's not financially viable or economically viable for them to be trying to capture it, transport it and store it. And it's actually yeah. cheaper for them to then just burn it off, which yeah. then, you know, obviously isn't great for the environment that you're putting all of those, those fumes and everything just going into the atmosphere. 
Yeah, it's crazy, right? They they also they do it sometimes to protect the machinery. If there's a pressure buildup or something, they might have to you know yeah. shut off. We're not going to stop trying to dig for oil. Let's just burn off some of this gas because it's all at high pressure or something. But yeah, essentially, like you're saying, it's just it's cheaper for them to just burn it. Yeah. <laughs> and then get the oil <laughs> rather than farm it or actually use it in a in an actual in a yeah. useful way. One of the things we said at the very beginning is we said that as well as it being odorless and colorless, we said that it's non-toxic. So I think that yeah. might be a bit of a I know, misconception a lot of people have. If you think about gas and we're told about how dangerous it is around, yeah. one of the major hazards, as we've said a few times, is it's how prone it is to exploding. So lighting a match near it and how uh, yeah. how how flammable it is. But interestingly, if you were to breathe it in, it wouldn't kill you. Natural gas is non-toxic and won't kill you. But if you were in a small space, what would end up happening is the natural gas would end up suffocating all the oxygen and you'd end up okay. dying from a lack of oxygen. Okay. So you wouldn't have died from the gas inhalation per se. You died no. from what? Like asphyxiation or something? Like yeah, suffocation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so the room that you had where you were in that had loads of oxygen in, and gas is pouring in, all the oxygen is taken over by the gas and you die because yep. there's no oxygen in the room. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought that was maybe wow. a misconception about one, one of the hazards around it. I thought that might have been quite interesting. Um, I think we should probably do a takeaway. Now, I've already told mine, all right? Mine, I'll just repeat. What are coal power stations used for? They, they use the coal to heat some water, which creates steam. That steam runs through a turbine, which runs a generator, which creates electricity. That's nuts. I didn't know that. <laughs> and then the gas, they use gas in exactly the same way. They just don't use it. They don't burn it with coal. They, they use the gas. They light the gas to boil the water. Do you know, you want I, takeaway? I do. I've got a two guys, one topic takeaway. I actually tried to guess your two guys, one topic takeaway this week. And I've written down what I thought would be Liam's two guys, one topic takeaway. Go on, I've got two other things written down. I was thinking that you would love the pipes how how much pipe there is around the the world and what that actually means and i thought you were then going to come back and say to me that if all of the pipelines in the usa were stretched out they would get you to the moon and back four times nice yeah that's a good one though well done well done <laughs> i like it but do you remember learning about cigarettes and if you line up all the cigarettes end to end you go to the sun and back just smoking a year five trillion cigarettes i remember that one. Oh dear so right, yes yeah, so, so my, my actual two guys one topic takeaway which you might have come across this this week is something called the flaming gates of hell in turkmenistan i did read this one this so is this really is good, good. Go really good go so it turns out that for more than five decades there's been this massive fire pit has been burning in the in a desert in uh, in Turkmenistan, and there's this crater known as the Davaza gas crater. It's 230 foot wide. It's what we're talking about: 75 meters, 73 meters wide. Okay, and it's pretty deep as well. It's like 25 meters deep, and it's just one of those flaring gas holes that we've spoken about, and it's been burning for 50 years. Yeah, still burning. Apparently, apparently they thought I, I read that they only expected it to stay on fire for a little while because it started in like 1971 or something, and they yep. thought it would just, it would just burn out. <laughs> it never did. 
Yeah. So they, they thought it'd probably take two weeks to burn off all this gas that's probably down there. Yeah, don't worry. Just like that. Two weeks later, it'll be gone. Don't worry about it. 50 years later, it's still going. So they've actually... 50 years later, if they'd, if they'd kept it all, they might have some money, mightn't they? Like, imagine. So that's what they're trying to do. So their, their president has asked for people to figure out a way to stop it from burning because they're, they're just using up what could be gas that then could be solved. But it's not straightforward of that. They've tried to do it a few times. They've tried to drill down and get to where it started, but then it started making those new areas go on fire as well. So, yeah. yeah. But Tur- Turkmenistan apparently has an enormous gas reserve. Um, they reckon China's got the biggest one in the world anyway. Um, it's just not been proven yet. And then, yeah, Turkmenistan is is up there as well. So, yeah, they want to try and use it in a in a more constructive way. Mark from the UK, what a wicked episode for telling us to do. Random, random as hell, but pretty cool, right? Oh yeah, let us know, Mark. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Hopefully we've done it justice. A a really interesting topic to learn about this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who, who'd have thought that gas was discovered from a lightning strike in 6,000 BC, like 8,000 years ago, and that they use coal-powered power stations to uh, heat water up? <laughs> you said that you told us three times now <laughs> i know i can't believe that that every episode we do there's one thing i'll remember from every single episode this is that thing from this episode <laughs> yeah, that's funny it's uh yeah for me for me it was how it was formed and how old it is which i suppose makes sense but yeah millions of years old and how plants and animals have died had sediment and rock and everything just go over them over millions of years it's got compressed nearer to the earth and has then decomposed and turned into the gas that we use today. Really like it. Right. Well, that basically wraps up Series 7. We've got an episode next week as our wrap-up episode where we'll just discuss any issues that have come up during the episode or any uh, newsworthy items, perhaps, about the things we've talked about. Or maybe but... anything that people have liked, not just the issues. Oh, yeah, true. Very true, very true. Don't mention Marvel. Yeah, don't yeah, we? Oh, that was a difficult one. We had to... Right, that one out, didn't we? Right. <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully you've learned a little bit about natural gas. If you, if you want to give us a, a like or a review, we are at Two Guys, One Topic. That'd be great. But until then, get out there and share some natural gas knowledge. Yeah. Kaboom. <laughs>